Wow, amen. Are you glad you came to Hallmark today? Well, I'm not Pastor John. <laughs> he is in Kenya. Did you know that? So if you're here for the first time, I'm not the pastor. But Pastor John is in Kenya, and he's there uh, with 31 others. Uh, David and Kim Hayes is there, and uh, Blake and Blair, our grandkids are there, and uh, John's brother, uh, Michael, is there, and their son, Derek, is there. And there's 31 of them over there, and they're, they're really having a great time. If you're not following uh, what they're doing on Facebook, you ought to get on and see, watch the videos. Uh, We've been in work, uh, involved in the work over there in uh, Mombasa, uh, Kenya, for about 10 years now. John was the very first one to go over there with a group from our church. Several of you went with them at that time. I went the next year and the next year, and then they, other groups kept going back. <clears throat> they wanted me to go this time. I said, no, <laughs> I'm staying home. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I stayed home and got sick. So... <laughs> I, I'm sorry I couldn't see Tyler off. I know he called me out last week and called me a slacker because I wasn't here. But, man, I didn't have any voice. I was sick and all get out. So, anyway, I, I listened to it on Facebook, so I'm getting a hold of that boy when, uh, here when I, after I listened to what, what he had to say. But, anyway, we're, we're glad, to, glad to be here. It's a wonderful privilege to be able to come and speak to you today. And it's so good to see you. I see uh, Several I haven't seen in a while, and it's so good to welcome you today. Why don't you say real good and loud, uh, God loves me. I'm a child of the King, and Jesus is coming again. Oh, maybe this year, amen? Woo, I hope so. You know, we need to remind ourselves how much God loves us sometimes, and say it to ourselves, and remind ourselves of the promises of God. I hope that I can remind you a little bit of the promises of God today. But you know, uh, uh, I find that uh, when I look at those videos of Pastor John and the people over in Kenya, I just realize that we are a part of a greater work. And that work, uh, uh, we see what's going on here, but we're a part of a greater kingdom work. Amen? That's going around the world, and we have the wonderful privilege to be a part of that. Some of you have taken on those kids, supported some of those kids that graduated uh, and they started 10 years ago in a school there at Mbay Wow, and uh, they're graduated in the 8th grade, and we were able to send scholarships to help them go to high school, because many of them would not go to high school had they not had a scholarship from Hallmark. But many of you raised uh, funds. I remember taking Cliff Williamson with me uh, several years ago, and he got all excited. And he came back, and he hit everybody up for raising money for desk. And I don't remember how many he raised, but they were $175 a piece, and many of you gave and uh, to help fund the first part of that school and put desks in front of those kids and books, and we built buildings. And So if you get online, you'll see some of the buildings. We have a wonderful opportunity to have a part of that. But I would like to take this opportunity to just uh, thank our pastor and opportunity to be here today and... and uh, I love watching our, our praise, and I, Stephen has been helping. Uh, somebody was carrying around a, a pictorial book from our church in 1995, and it shows uh, Stephen, Shelley, her mom and dad, and, and her in, in there. So you want to see, David, David Marsden has it, 
But Stephen, you want to see that. That's what you was a little baby. But it reminded me of that when she mentioned a couple weeks ago that she was saved at Hallmark, eight years old. I really have forgotten that. And, uh, but there's a lot of things I've forgotten. <laughs> you young folks, when you get a little older, you recognize that. But anyway, I'm reminded of things uh, by pictures. And so I, uh, on the holidays, how many of you look at old pictures in the holidays? We drag them down from the attic and start through them. And my wife says, are you doing that again this year? <laughs> so anyway, I'm looking through those old pictures. And I'm, and I'm looking at pictures, and I'm thinking, I don't remember that happening. How many remember that? You, you remember seeing a picture, and you don't, you don't remember that happening at all. I, I looked at several of those, and I thought, surely that didn't happen. Well, there's a picture to prove it. So that's the way it is. But I, I would like to... Uh, Thank uh, the opportunity to thank you for your support and for your help in the ministry we've been involved in. Uh, David Isbell is the director of Shepherd's Watchmen. David, would you raise your hand back there? David's doing such a good job in that ministry. It's a ministry of helps to pastors and missionaries, to widows, and to pastors and families. And uh, we provide confidential counseling to pastors and missionaries, rest and recovery time for those who are really in time to, and to get away, and uh, health and wellness retreats for pastors. I had a wonderful joy to take pastors on retreats this last week with their, with their wives. We provide financial counseling, also financial uh, assistance to widows. And I would say to you that I just got the report myself. I didn't know it. I got a letter from David this week that last year, Shepherds Watson was able to contribute almost $18,000 to support widows, of pastors who have really destitute in their circumstances, a seminary student, a pastor in South Africa, physical needs for many of those who really didn't have the funds for their, for their medical needs to be met, and recently a pastor's daughter is waiting for a heart transplant. We were able to help and financially help them, and so, so many different needs that we'll be able to help, but we couldn't do that without your support. And churches like you and individuals, and it's a wonderful blessing to be a part of that. And I just, I thank God for that. We hope that we're going to enlarge and indeed grow that ministry. For there is a great need for pastors to be faithful in ministry and then continue. And there are so many today are walking away. And uh, would you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 20 this morning? And while you're there, I want to share just a kind of a a sweet little blessing I got this morning. And uh, John started... Pastor John started a, uh, a uh, little uh, texting on Sunday morning to different pastors. And uh, he, uh, he'll text about 20, and they're on, a, little, on a, a big deal on my Facebook. If I call somebody and I don't know it, well, forgive me. I, I, I sometimes, how many of you have Facebook, uh, uh, iPhones that call people and you didn't call them? Anybody do that? Don't call me now. If Pastor John would hear, he'd be calling me. But anyway, this morning I got this text, and there's 20, I think 20 or so guys that text each other on Sunday morning. John started this. I don't know how I got on it. But anyway, I get the text too, so I get 20 texts, start ringing at 5.30 on Sunday morning. But I got this one this morning from Anthony Milas. And I wasn't sure who it was. I just got the number, and I asked who it was, and it was Anthony. I know him from a long time ago, but... Uh, he writes this to pastors. They're pastors encouraging pastors on Sunday morning. But he writes this. It's really a, it's really a blessing. He said, Love, a happy new year, gang. This weekend is just another 
in an incredible story God is writing through each of your ministries. However, today someone is going to walk through the doors to try God as a last resort. What they find in a church, uh, find is a church on fire, a word delivered with passion, and most importantly, a God who's not mad at them, but who's mad about them. What they will find is God who loves them and enough to meet with them where they are, but loves them too much to leave them where they are. Today, someone's life changes because you didn't tap out, you didn't walk away. Someone life, someone, someone's life changes because you faced that giant, overcame the obstacle, and broke through when you were ready to break down. Thank you for being you, and thank you for being faithful to your call. I love you, and I'm praying for you right now. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I got that, and I thought, wow, what a fraternity. Well, I'm going to tell you, the pastors are walking away from ministry everywhere, and they need encouraging one another. And they need churches who invest in their pastors, who continue to grow, continue to do better what they do, and with more heart and greater desire. And you, you have a pastor that loves you, and I know that he wants to keep growing and doing the work of God in a more effective and efficient way. And he has a wonderful staff. And I really, I really appreciate the staff of Hallmark, and I appreciate the officers. They're going to serve us today the Lord's table. So the very first Sunday we get to have the Lord's table. Aren't you glad for that? I love that song, Jesus, Only Jesus. <clears throat> now, I had this terrible throat thing, and I can tell you the sermon's going to get short. <clears throat> and all God's people said... I knew that was coming. I hope this year, I hope that you've decided you're going to do something different this year and grow a little bit. You know, we talk about New Year's resolutions, <clears throat> but I, I do that every year. But you know what I really want to do? I want to become better at praying. How about you? You want to be a better prayer warrior? I'm telling you, that's what we need, to pray more. I'm reminded of a story I read in a recent book. <clears throat> it's one of David Jeremiah's book about prayer. There was a young mother who got locked out of her car. She'd gone to the pharmacy to get, <coughs> excuse me, to get some over-the-counter meds, and she called her daughter and said, I'll be there as soon as I can. I'll lock my keys in the car. How many of you have ever done that? That's, that's not fun, is it? So the daughter said, hey, I saw on TV, you could get a coat hanger and put it in there and put it down the door and you could open the door. So she went back in and got a cold one and kept trying. So she just was frustrated. She couldn't get it open. She began to pray again, Lord, please send someone to help me. As soon as she got through praying, a car drove up and she got out. A guy got out. He was a scruffy looking old guy. And uh, she looked at him and said, oh, sir, can you help me? I've got this coat hammer and I can't get it in. And I, I need to get in. My daughter's sick and I've got to get home with this medication. And she said, he said, okay, lady. So he, in just an instant, he reached down there with the coat hanger, opened the door. She was so thrilled. She gave him a big hug and she said, oh, you're such a good man. He gruffly said, no, lady, I'm not a good man. I just got out of prison this morning. 
And as he walked away, the little mother lifted her hands to heaven and said, Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for sending a professional. (laughs) So I hope your prayers are answered here. God loves you. God, God cares about you. He wants to answer prayers in your life. So he'll send some professionals <laughs> along the way to help you. All right, John chapter 20. And uh, I want us to, if you got your bulletin, look at your bulletin, will you? John chapter 20, we're going to talk about it's not too late. It's not too late. It wasn't too late for Mary. Three individuals. It wasn't too late for Mary. It wasn't too late for Thomas. It wasn't too late for Peter. Now look, these are stories that we've all read over and over. But there's some wonderful truths for us. And I don't want you to miss them. Well, here in John chapter 20, look. On verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple, whom Jesus loved. Now, every time you say that, whom Jesus loved, in the John's Gospel, he's talking about himself, John. John the beloved, the loved one. So it was John and Peter and Mary Magdalene. Well, the Bible tells us those disciples went in and saw that everything had been, the grave clothes that had wound Jesus were placed in a proper place, and the tomb was empty. Now, look, skip down to verse 11. And Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting at the head and the other at the feet. The body, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus, but she didn't know who it was. He was disguised somewhat. So Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And for whom are you seeking? She's supposing him to be a gardener. See, she didn't know it was Jesus. She said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I, will, and I will take him away. Now, here's a woman who's been asked twice now. As she comes, she's a worshiper, a follower. She has recognized that Jesus, her Savior. Mark's Gospel says that Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out of her by our Lord. Now, I don't know if you've ever woman, seen a woman with one demon. I, I have. It is not my wife. I just want to clarify that. I love you. <laughs> just want to make sure you got that straight. Uh, if you've ever been around a woman had a demon in her, I want to tell you, I, I have. And I don't want to be there. But I, I've never seen a woman that had seven demons. That's a, bad, that's a bad woman. You don't want to be around them. But Jesus was not afraid. The Bible says he cast out seven demons from Mary Magdalene. She became a wonderful, transformed woman who loved the Lord, who loved righteousness. 
here wanted to serve the Lord. And she was so brokenhearted, her life had been transformed by Jesus. And now that Jesus had been, she had watched him crucified and buried. She came to anoint the body of Jesus. And now he's not even in the tomb. Someone's stolen him away. And the angel said, now I want you to notice that the, the first angels to speak to anyone about the resurrection of Jesus, it was Mary, Mary Magdalene. And they came to her, and as she came to the tomb, they said, he's not here, he's risen. Well, they didn't understand it. The disciples, they didn't get it either. He had told them over and over and over again about the resurrection Jesus had, but they didn't get it. Is there any wonder we'd go back to text and re-preach and reteach and re-read the same text again? Because we're all a little slow of hearing. We're slow to understand. We're slow to believe. But here, Mary. Mary is confronted by Jesus. She didn't understand it. But I want you to notice what happens. Here Jesus, in verse 16, he gets up close and personal with Mary. And he says, Mary... Look what he says in verse 16. He calls her by her name. And he said, Mary. All of a sudden, she recognizes the voice is Jesus. And she is so overcome. Jesus said, don't cling to me, oh man. She went about his feet and grabbed his feet and kissed his feet. And, and she, she was overcome by that. Jesus said, don't touch me. I've got to go to the Father yet. He said, go and tell the disciples. Now, Mary pictures those people around us in our own lives that have suffered a great loss. There are many, every year we, we, we suffer the loss of loved ones. Every year someone in our congregation, many uh, will, this year, will no doubt lose loved ones. Some of you just recently lost loved ones. But I'm going to tell you, it, it's, a, it's a loss. And here Mary had lost the one who transformed her life. But no matter what time of loss that we're grieving, whether it's the loss of a job or loss of a spouse and death, or one of the greatest losses is the loss of a child losing their mom and dad. How many times have we met kids who have lost both parents? And, and in Mbe Wow, there are many of the older kids are raising the younger kids because HIV has taken so many parents away, and the kids are left by themselves. And many of those kids are in a school like that. But you know kids that have lost their parents. But one of the greatest hurts is a parent losing a child. But, oh, I, I don't know what that's like. I, I just I can't identify with that, but I've watched it. I've seen it in the lives of others who've lost their children. And I'll tell you, it's a heart-wrenching thing. I know what it's like to lose a parent. A couple years ago, I thought I was going to lose my sister. She was really deathly sick. And I remember sitting up at Harris one night praying over her. And I said, Lord, I don't think the Lord's finished with her. The Lord wanted to glorify her, and I know the Lord's still working on her now to try to glorify her. <laughs> He's not quite done yet. But I, but I remember sitting up that night praying. I said, Lord, I'm not ready to lose my sister. That's the last of my, my close family. My mom and dad have passed, but my sister, just her and I. And I said, Lord, I, I wish you'd bring her out of this because it looked like she was going to go. I mean, I've watched a lot of people in the condition that she was in two years ago, and I preached their funerals then. And I really wasn't prepared for that. You see, we all grieve a loss, but of different time, kinds and different varying degrees of losses. 
But I'm going to tell you, Jesus is, is, is a resurrected Savior. He's the one who's conquered death. We, we, when we take of the Lord's table today, we will celebrate that he died first, but that he rose again and that he's coming again. We're one year closer to coming of Jesus, and I'm glad for that, aren't you? God, is, God has given us so many wonderful promises, but it's not too late, Mary, for a miracle. You see, that's the thing. What things are, are possible, uh, impossible with man, there's nothing impossible with our God. Would you agree with that? God still does miracles, doesn't he? And so some of you need a miracle today. Mary, Mary got a miracle. Jesus was standing there. The one that she loved, the one that was dead, was standing there alive and said, Mary, up close and personal. He called her by name, and she was so transformed. And I'm just saying to you today, some of you need a miracle in your life. It's with a child, with a mother or dad, with a condition, a health condition in your life. You know, God still wants to do miracles. And, and I, I think I got a request for a miracle to pray this uh, year for, for our own Dylan. Dylan has autism, but Dylan's come a long way. But, you know, Dylan's never said a word. And he sits up there, and I love Dylan. If you go like that, he'll, he'll touch you. He'll know you're saying, I love you. And he's really come a long way. But we're praying, Angie and Andrew and the family, and I want us to join together this year in a prayer that God will touch Dylan and allow him to speak. Wouldn't that be a miracle? Yeah. Dylan, we're going to pray for you. Yeah. We love you. We're going to pray for you, buddy. Let's just do it right now. Let's bow for prayer. Jesus, you're the miracle worker. You're the God that touches blind eyes, opens them. You take ears that do not hear and open them. You test the mouths of those that don't speak, and you allow them to speak. Lord, you even raise the dead. But Lord, you transform lives every day. But today as a church, we bow before you. And we love Dylan, and we just pray, God, that you'll heal him, help him speak. He's grown so much. You've been with him and with that family. I pray for your healing hand. Allow him to open his mouth and speak. Even to say, I love you, Mama. I love you, Daddy. So I just pray. Help us to pray. We want to see a miracle, Lord, because we know nothing is impossible with God. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Some of you need a miracle. Let's pray for a miracle. Let's pray for Him. Let's pray for others that you know that God, because God does some amazing and wonderful things. Now, number two, I want you to look at the second person. And if you'll turn, uh, we're still in John chapter 20. But I want you to notice another fellow named Thomas. We all know the story of Thomas. Thomas wasn't there the first night that Jesus came and stood. And it says in verse 24, Thomas called the twin, was one of the twelve. He was not with him when Jesus came. And so Thomas, when he was confronted 
with the fact that Jesus was there, he said, I'm not going to believe. He said in verse 25, the disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said unto them, unless I see his hands, the print of nails, put my finger in the print of the nails and my hand into his side, I will not believe. <laughs> That's just pretty open, isn't it? Thomas, we, we call Thomas the what? Thomas the doubter. Now, I want you to know something. Thomas became a flaming evangelist later for Jesus. He gave his life. He became a martyr because of his faith and his belief in the Lord Jesus. But right now, Thomas just has a little trouble. Have you ever trouble believing some of God's promises? Sometimes we say we believe it, but believe, faith is carried into action. And so when we believe something, we believe prayer changes things, we're going to pray. If we believe that men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, we're going to read the Bible. If we believe God's word says, if you will give the first fruits, I will bless you, and it will go farther than if you kept it for yourself, then we'll give the first fruits of God. Can I get a witness there? So I'm just saying to you, when we begin to believe the promises of God and we believe the Word of God, it causes us to do different things. It causes us to act upon what we believe. So here Thomas. Thomas says, I don't believe. I don't believe he's alive. Unless I see him, I'm not going to believe. And so the Bible tells us next Sunday night, verse 26, eight days later, which is meaning the same day the next week, verse 26, the disciples again inside and Thomas with him. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. And then guess what? Jesus knew Thomas wasn't there. Jesus knew Thomas had said, I'm not going to believe it unless I see him. And so Jesus shows up in there, and he says, Hey, Thomas, come here, buddy. I got, I got show and tell today. I want to show you something, and I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> and so he said, Thomas, don't be faithless. Look here. See my scars on my hand and my side and on my brow. Don't be faithless, but believe me. I'm the same Jesus that you saw crucified, and I'm alive forevermore. Because I live, you shall live also. Amen? Amen. And because I live, I'm coming again for you one day. So I, I just say, Thomas, don't be faithless, but believe me. You know what he did? He fell down and said, oh, my Lord and my God. See, Thomas, it wasn't too late for him to believe. Now, some of you haven't been believing like you really should, you know? Every now and then, I get a little bit faithless. Every now and then, I, I get, uh, in my life, I get a little bit thinking, oh, man, I'm, 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 I don't know if God can do that or not. I don't know if this problem's too big for God. But, you know, I still believe that God can do miracles. So I'm still praying for a miracle in our family. I'm still for a pray, I'm going to be praying for America for Dylan. And some of you others, God wants to do something amazing in your life. But you have to believe it. Thomas, it wasn't too late for him to believe. And what a wonderful thing it is. You know, some of you have been praying for people to get saved and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you've been praying for a year or two or three years, and you decide, hey, it's not going to happen. I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit praying. Listen. Don't quit praying. Don't quit believing. 
keep believing and keep praying for God may do it this year. Amen? He may do a wonderful miracle in your life this year. But you've got to keep believing. It wasn't too late. Some of you have been doubting. Well, you know, I want you to be like Thomas today. It's not too late to start believing. Now, the third individual I want us to look at, John chapter 21. It's a very familiar guy, Peter. We preach more sermons about Peter than any other disciples. He's the most colorful guy. He's always got his mouth in gear, always saying something he shouldn't say, always promising. And he said to the Lord before he went to the cross, he said, you are not going to die on that cross. And I'm here to tell you that I'm going to die for you and you, Jesus. And what did Jesus have to say? Get thee behind me. Now, Peter had just said, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're John the Baptist. Come back. But Jesus said, who do you say? And Peter stepped up and said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I mean, great statement. About a few verses down in the text, he said, you're not going to die, Jesus. And Jesus said to him, Peter, get behind me, Satan. Satan has just used you, Peter. So in, in, one few, in a few verses, he goes from making the greatest proclamation to the devil using him. Isn't that amazing? That's the fickleness of the human flesh, though, isn't it? One day we're praising the Lord, and the next year, the next day, I mean the next hour, we can be on the way out and say, I don't believe that book anymore. I'm not going to read it anymore. I'm not going to listen to that preacher again. And we can be mad as all get out. Can I get a witness here? Am I the only one like that? I'm going to tell you something. Peter. Peter denied the Lord. It's one of the greatest failures of his whole life. Whenever Jesus rebuked him, he then said, you know, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, no, I'll never deny you, Lord. Bless God, I'm going to die with you. Oh, that didn't happen, did it? little old girl said, hey, you're the one who's with those Galileans. You talk like one, weren't you with Jesus? No, I was not. Then he got confronted again. He said, no, I wasn't. And then the third time, when he confronted him about being a disciple of Jesus, he, the Bible says, one of the gospels says, he cursed and swore they never knew him. It was one of the, a huge failure. Well, here in John chapter 21, the Bible tells us that Peter says, hey, verse number 3, Simon Peter said to them, John 21, verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. We're going fishing. And so they went with him. You see, Jesus had called him three years before while he was fishing. Yeah, Luke chapter 5, you can read that. But now he's, he's ready to give up. He's ready to throw in the towel. He's ready to tap out, say, I fail the Lord. He's never going to have me back. He's never going to forgive me. I'm, I'm a huge failure, and I'm never going to go back. I'm going back to what I know. I'm going to go fishing. And Jesus had called him to years, and he said, I want you to leave those nets and come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, he said, I'm going back fishing. Well, Jesus got up close and personal, didn't he? And he said, Peter, come on in here. After he loaded their boat with fish, where they fished all night and caught nothing, that's the second time he did that, he knew it was the Lord. He ran, jumped out of the boat, and ran to the shore. And Jesus had, he wasn't mad at him anymore. He was mad about him. He loved him. He fixed the food and said, come and eat, come and dine. 
Master calleth, come and dine. So oh, he fed him. And he said, Peter, I love you, Peter. Don't you love me more than these? He said, no, you know I love you. He said, no, let me ask you again, Peter. Do you love me more than these? He said, Lord, you know I love you. A little bit later, he said, Peter, do you love me more than these? Peter said, yes, Lord. He said, then feed my sheep. I, I called you to be a fisher of men. You see, it's never too late to start over. For God is the God of the second chance, isn't he? He's the God of the third and the fourth and the fifth. It's not too late to start over with God. Some of you have disappointed God. You've been mad at God. You, you, you have walked away. You felt like you failed God and you're never going to get over it. I'm, I remember failing tests in ministry. I don't know how many times the Lord rescued me, but I remember early in ministry, one test particularly, that I thought I was going to walk away from the ministry. I got a call in the middle of the night to go help somebody. They needed the gospel. The guy was uh, sick and they thought he might pass, but they weren't sure, and they wanted to know if I'd come and share the gospel. In the middle of the night, and I was young, and I was sleeping real hard. And in those days, the phone was on my nightstand, not on my wife's. We changed that later, so she, she gets up better than I do and wakes me up. But that night, I just rolled over and went back to sleep. The next, night, the next morning, I got up and remembered that call, and I said, oh, my, and I ran to the hospital. You know what I found at the hospital? The undertaker. The man had died. And the family looked at me like, I thought you were going to come last night. I'm going to tell you, I felt as bad as Peter. I felt like, man, have I failed. That family will never forgive me. God will probably never forgive me. I'm going to give this up. But you know, the Lord wouldn't let go of me. He said, you fail that test, but there's more coming. Now get up and go on and do better the next time. I want to tell you, when the phone rang, I put it on my wife's bedstead because she woke up better and she'd wake me up. And we, we've been partners like that for almost 50 years now. You see, God will forgive you. It's never too late to start again. I've learned a lot of lessons. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. I've done a lot of dumb things. I've done a lot of stupid things. My wife should say, amen. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, God won't give up on you. He keeps coming after you. You know why? He knows our flesh. He knows our frame that we're but dust. He knows we stumble and fail. But God is so long-suffering to us. He cares about us. Now look, three individuals, Mary. Mary needed a miracle, and she got one, Jesus. You may need a miracle today. Don't stop praying for a miracle. Thomas failed to believe. He was a doubter. Today, you may be doubting God's promise. You may be doubting God's plan for your life. And I'm going to tell you, God is saying to you and to me, start believing. Ask for bigger things. Ask for miracles. Ask for God to do something Unbelievable. And don't quit asking and don't quit believing. You may be like Peter. You failed the test. And you just feel like all is lost. I'm, I can't do this. I can't live this Christian life. I can't get up. I'm, I'm, I'm a failure and I'm, I'm leaving. Listen, 
God is saying to you today, maybe this is you, you came and this is a part of the message you need to hear. It's not too late to start over with this book. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. In a moment, we're going to come and celebrate the Lord's table. Before we do, I want to give you a chance to pray and seek Him. Today, I wonder, do you need to believe again? Etched on the walls, the cellar walls of a house in Germany during the Holocaust is the, are these words, I believe in the sun even when it's not shining. I believe in love even when I can't feel it. I believe in God even when he is silent. It's time to believe again. <clears throat> You've suffered fears and doubts. It's time to believe again. Perhaps you're suffering a great loss and a grief. But God is saying, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. You need a miracle of God to restore your life, restore your health, restore a feeling of worth. Perhaps you fail and you feel so guilty about it, you just can't go on. God says it's not too late to start over. Let's stand for prayer. Let's everyone stand. We're going to pray and we're going to sing a verse. If you need to come, you need to believe again. Lord, we bow in prayer. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are a God who is a God who starts over with us, helps us again, lifts us up and forgives us. You are a God of great compassion. You love us. You crown our life with loving kindness and tender mercies. You're the God. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Well, Lord, you forgive our iniquities. How wonderful it is to know God who restores our life, refreshes us, heals our diseases. You are able to do that, Lord. Not only, but you redeem our life from destruction. Rescue us today, oh Jesus. Give us a believing heart, a loving heart, a gracious kind heart restore unto us thy Holy Spirit and the joy of the Lord may thy word God be fresh upon us and fall upon us renew us to the joy of the Lord I pray while our heads are bowed we're... Ben's going to sing God is speaking to you you need to come, just come. If you need to get things right with God before we take the Lord's table, if you need a Savior, there are staff people here to pray with you while we sing.